Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Catchy Foxes. My name is Michael Gormley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Luke, Captain Creative Carey. How's it going, Luke? Can I tell you how great it is to be able to to be able to like walk around and go, "Hi, I'm Luke from Catching Foxes." Oh man, it it's must, my it's a dream, isn't it? It's my favorite thing. In the world. <laughs> <laughs> like, besides being married to my wife eh. and my relationship with our Lord and Savior well. Jesus Christ, it is my favorite thing in the world. So you did that. You're referencing your wonderful uh, week alone uh, at the. Uh, <laughs> My, your my your honeymoon away from, from you. Me. Yeah. <laughs> what was I doing? No. I was watching uh, Iron Man, or yeah, not Iron Man, uh, Iron Fist, season two, <laughs> questioning my moral judgment. You know what's really funny is when we do stuff for the podcast, and when we're so it's only happened a few times where we're not together when we're doing stuff specifically either for on behalf of the podcast. Mm-hmm. I like. When so at, at at an event like this, there are times when you're going to be alone because everyone there is new. Like everyone there doesn't really uh, does like know each other. Yeah, and so there are times where you're just going to be alone because for the most part, everyone's there alone. But when we do stuff for the podcast, I'm never alone. Yeah, because we're always together. <laughs> and so that was the weirdest part. We would like have like a couple of like, minutes where people would be out, you know, people taking up, going a bathroom break. You'd have a break, and you're kind of like on your own, getting a drink. And this weird thing is, you and I are literally always together during those moments. Yeah, when we it's are. Us. Like at the young adult <laughs> conference, right? The pre meeting to oh the pre meeting. We never, we never left each other. And when we had to leave each other, I was the whole time I'm thinking, I wonder what Luke's doing. And then you're like, well, I can hear every word Gomer's saying. <laughs> <laughs> it really affirmed, like, I was like, man, we are like. A team in a weird because it just it, in a it, it weird feel sad like, sexual way. <laughs> <laughs> like I have a feeling because like everyone else at this thing is going off like meeting new people and stuff and uh, and I did all of that and it was incredible and I can't wait to really go into that. But I, I have a feeling that if you were there, it would have been the two of us going off to meet all these new people <laughs> and we never would have been apart. Uh, no, why would Luke? Why would we? Why would we be apart? I, I don't understand. It's so funny. Like I never really uh, realized that until until uh, uh, like this uh, this this past past weekend, just how connected we actually are, and it's kind of amazing. <laughs> Watch out, America! We were meant for each other. <laughs> we're here, and you have to accept us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, keep reaching for that rainbow, Pittsburgh Steel Workers. <laughs> Oh, that's such a funny part. Um, Yeah, dude. So if you guys can't tell, I spent this past weekend at the Catholic Creatives Conference in Dallas, Texas. Amazing city. I kind of love Dallas. Yeah, it's a great place. really is. um, Have you been to where JFK was killed? No. I wanted to go so badly, but the day that I was going to go, it got really, really hot. And I was like, "Mm, never mind. (laughs) I'm sure I'll be back. Yeah, I mean, I'm Irish and Catholic, so I try not to go to that part. I mean, I have a little bit of Irish and a whole lot and a whole lot of Catholic, and I love history, so I really wanted to go. So there you go. Do you think George Herbert Walker Bush assassinated John F. Kennedy? No. Who thinks that? Me and some of my friends. No, that's fair. No, I I think Oswald acted alone. I think he's just a deranged. Uh, I think he was a bit of an extremist, obviously, but I think he just wanted to get, he wanted to do something big and 
and important. So I do not believe Oswald acted alone, and I will tell you my only reason for saying that. He was a traitor, and he was a military outpost guy in, like, Honolulu, and he defected to the Soviet Union. And then he came back, and we let him back in. We never let defectors back in. Why would we let this guy back in? Yeah, but... No, he um, was a patsy, dude. He was a freaking patsy from day one from the U.S. military to take out a guy that they thought was too soft on the commies after the Cuban Missile Crisis. They wanted him out. Mm, Because think about this. He operated radar stations in Honolulu, and and this is my only thing that I'm going to say, operated radar stations in Honolulu, and uh, a U-2 plane was shot down uh, after he defected, right? So he was the radar guy. U-2 plane gets shot down, which was flied so high that it was impervious to Soviet radar Mm -hmm. at that time. And then he come, and we let him back in the country. Why would we do that? Why would we do that? Correlation doesn't always equal fact. causation. That is friend. fact. But just think about this one last thing. You ready for this? Who was mm-hmm. the CIA agent in for Dallas? George Herbert Walker Bush. CIA agent who then, after just a few short years, becomes director of the CIA. Okay? Correlation doesn't equal causation. Who becomes the president? A Texan. Where is he killed? Texas. It's a good old boys club, my friend. Flat Earth, everyone. Flat, Flat Earth. Earth. All right, I'm Flat done. Earth. I'm done. I'm done. I need to read up on my conspiracy. There's a book called JFK and the Unspeakable, and the premise of it's written by a guy who does that Dorothy Day Catholic worker movement, and he runs a house in Birmingham, Alabama, I believe, and his whole thing was um, that because of Thomas Merton's influence on JFK's sister or aunt, that he became abhorrent to the idea of nuclear war and he wanted to avoid it at all costs after the Cuban missile crisis. And the generals did not, they wanted that to is not necessarily true, but yes. Right, I'm, I'm... Well, that's what this, that's the premise of the book. And he goes through to try to prove that and that hmm. the generals got essentially got this, uh, Patsy to take the fall mm. for their execution of JFK. I always wonder, like, I, I'm not a big fan of revisionist history. Like, well, sorry, that's my, my brother, but, but, like, you know, what would have happened if this had not happened? Yeah. Because um, it's just that's not what history is. History is about what happened <laughs> and all of its, like, nuance. And it's because you, you just can't predict human behavior. <laughs> Speculative you know, like, history. That means nothing. No, because, like, I mean, if you look at the first, like, World War, you can say, like, what if, like, they turn left? You know, yeah. whatever, and they don't go down that street. And well, what if, like, the you know, all these things? And because there are tons of examples in history of things that, like, when things don't go wrong, and, yeah. yeah, it's unpredictable. But, um, I mean, you can't, yeah. I do think that, like, I wonder, I, I we attach a lot of significance to JFK's death as kind of the end of you know, we, we I mean, we call his time in office Camelot for crying out, out loud, and I wonder if. Like I, 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 that's what that's if if I could just go and see what would happen if this had not happened, yeah. Like that's the one thing throughout all of history I would want to see, really, tr- like truly throughout all of history. Like what happens if J.K. doesn't get killed? Because I think it's such an interesting moment in a, in in American history, and I'm inclined to say we attach a lot more significance to it than it really should be. Mm. But I would just be curious. Like bi-curious or just regular? 
So anywho, Luke, how you doing, man? Uh, tell me about the I'm creative doing... cap. Let's stop talking about all this shit. Tell me about the creative <laughs> Catholic conference. No, no, really, really quick. Did you know that Jackie? Uh, no. So um, <laughs> the Catholic Creatives Conference was in Dallas, Texas. Comes from I think it's more like a. I mean, I don't know if you want to call it a like movement as in a movement of the, as a canonical movement within the church, but definitely some type of like movement that's going on within the American church right now. That's for sure. To really, you have a lot of um, strong will, strong will. Um, <laughs> well, a lot of faithful practicing. Catholics trying to do really great creative things. And when they use the term creative, they use a very broad term. Anything from podcasters to entrepreneurs to artists, painters, filmmakers. Sorry, you were, you were going to say something? Yeah, I just think that that's great. Like, I think that's so wonderful to cast the net as wide as possible because I think it, it strikes on creativity as not just you're, in, you're producing high art, right? But there's a lot of things that are creative that I just don't think get credit for it, right? Yeah, no, I I I totally agree. And it uh, so about 120 or so people from actually across the world. There are people from Australia, people from I think one person from New Zealand and maybe the Philippines um came out for this, and it was f- amazing. Sorry, I need to stop cursing. It was amazing. It was amazing. So it wasn't the perfect conference, but what did you what what really moved you? I found a lot of healing this past because you know, and I I had a post on our Facebook page about this. I found I found a lot of healing through this because I'll be honest. I think I, I I have brought this up to you before, but I was feeling a little bit creatively bankrupt from from the podcast. Just I felt like out of ideas, like truly just kind of like oh my gosh. And I actually brought this up like Brandon Vaught when I was when I when. I, when I was hanging out with him that I feel like if the podcast were to end right now, I would be okay with it in the sense that we did what I wanted us to do when we first started. I think we really kind of changed things up a bit and we started to, we started to, we kind of changed the tone of the conversation a little bit. Okay. A little bit more real, a little bit, a little bit of less catechetical, a little bit more like real life. And I was like, Oh my gosh, are we done? And, and, and like, I feel like we we've never been we 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 have never been stronger. But I was also at a point where I was like, where do we go from here? Yeah, no, I get that. And which is kind of you know, it's 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 almost like you've made your masterpiece. Which I know that sounds very egot, egotistical, but you know, you make you make Sergeant Pepper. Well, then what? You know, <laughs> and um, and it was I don't know. I just because. I found a lot of healing just being able to being able to talk like these how just how open and honest everyone was and how yeah. just they were so into everything that everyone was doing. There was no that pretentiousness awesome. at all. Yeah, none of it. It was amazing. Like I I just to be able to talk with a person who like makes movies, which is the thing I've always wanted to do, and to have her speak to me as an equal. I know it sounds weird, but it was just it was such an incredible experience, and I mean incredible. And like I met a dude from Orange County, uh, Ian, who's got a who's got a podcast that I can't wait to uh, check out. They did for the diocese of uh, of Orange County. Um, just being able to talk with like Edmund Mitchell from the show, hanging out with all the Anthem people, doing what they're doing, Alec Ministry out in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Um, people all like the different directors of the like eight beats film for the eight beatitudes. So awesome. 
Yeah, it was just, I mean, just, I mean, so I talked with, like, I mean, th- there was some girl there that I met who was starting her own, like, brand company out in the S- Seattle area. And I can't, I can't remember exactly what her brand was trying to do, but it was, I remember thinking, that's freaking awesome. And just so many, like, a girl from Vancouver who just was, like, a, who wanted to be around creative individuals, uh, hanging out with JM from Glass Canvas. I mean, so many different people. Um and I don't know. I just felt a lot. Like I, I felt, I found a lot of healing for myself. And I think the Lord really like worked in my heart in a way where He was just like, "This is where I want you to be. Like, this is what I want you to do." <laughs> Please don't deal with Gomer right now. I need to set your heart free. Have the courage to follow. Follow it. <laughs> yeah. If anything, I just feel more like okay, like. The Lord has called us to do this, and I feel I really and, and I know it's such like a cliche thing to hear like an artist kind of say, "We're just getting started." After it's like mm, you're pretty much done, and you were like riding that like wave as the royalty checks just pour in. <laughs> um, or as one person I, said, "Y'all were getting really stale, but this sex abuse scandal has really wakened you up." And it's like, oh god, <laughs> that's the last <laughs> thing I want to hear. Someone that actually said that, yeah. Uh, that's what I was feeling. I, I mean, I was though. I was feeling really stale. Just like I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I like truly was at a point where I'm like, I don't know what else to do yeah. because I mean, I did think we kind of set out to do what we wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, we did. Yeah. So I guess this is the last episode of Catching Foxes. So long, everyone. Thanks for all the fish. <laughs> Thanks for your lack of booze that you sent us. Both of your long emails. Um, Holy shit, I was supposed to call a person today at 4.45, and I didn't. A listener? From the pocket, yep. Oh, Betsy, I'm so sorry. I will call you back. Oh, my gosh. Today got crazy. I know. Shoot. All right. Well, I'm Luke, and I'm the worst. Um, we already knew that. So someone really said that we got stale. Uh, like, I've, I, you know, people love telling me things that I wish they wouldn't, and that was a couple people did. <laughs> Wait, what else did people say? No, they they're they're we were the only thing getting them through this whole scandal, so that's kind of cool. Slash horrible, slash horrible. But they said that they felt like reading the news, hearing the news, doing all this stuff that one does to stay current on this just was killing their soul, and no one seemed to be venting the frustration, including the clergy that the lady were feeling, which I think hmm. is sadly still the case. Yeah. It's going to be a long and dark winter, everyone. Buckle up. Winter is here. No, 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 there. no. Winter is coming. No, no, no. It's definitely here. Ugh, I don't know. It's absolutely here. I have a sneaking feeling, based on the leaked German report, that we have, we've only just begun. <laughs> but I, I do think that, like, um, for for me, one thing that like I've taken away from this past this past this past week is I think I'm really uncomfortable with what our voice is. Yeah, and I know what we want to do. What was amazing for me was the experience of healing in the context of community, and that's what I want to get at here. So when you go to a Steubenville conference, a lot of people talk that they talk about that as if it's the mountaintop, and you can't live on top of the mountain because you can't build deep roots. Yeah. Uh, put them out, and that's true. I think that's a very, very true, true thing. Thank you, Reese Roper, for that analogy. Um, but then, what does it look like on the ground? 
And the thing that really hit me about this conference that I'm really trying to, that I'm, that I'm wrestling with right now is I'm not convinced that we need to experience the isolation that we do all the time. Okay. And I'm wondering, like, I, one of the thoughts that I had was how great would it be to work for an archdiocese, to work for a nonprofit or a company where this type of dynamic faith is the norm and being around this kind, these kinds of individuals, that's the normal thing. Now, of course you're going to have hard times. Things get stale. Things get old. I get that. But, but because I mean, there are times this past weekend where I had um, conversations with people that I didn't agree with. There are times this past, this, this past weekend where I wasn't very happy, where I really missed Aaron. And I really, you know, and um, it wasn't all like, you know, great things, but, I just kind of wonder, like, do we sell the church short sometimes as to what our, like, should we have a little bit more of the mountaintop and what that is like in our everyday lives? Hmm. Or is that completely unrealistic? Huh. Okay. So do you mean by, though, the mountaintop as an emotional high? Is that what you're saying? Not necessarily. But, like, do you remember when we went to Steubenville, like, Yeah, it was amazing. Because, um, okay, so when I look back on Steubenville in Heinz, there are times when I was like, this is horrible and I hate my life. Uh-huh. But for the most part, that was freaking awesome. Right. It was college. Yeah. And so, like, it's college. So let's, let's, let's just, like, count that off as being college. But do you think, this like, to be in a place where there's such an ardent love for God and a desire to, like, serve him and to serve others because of him, and there's just like a lot of Christian joy. Should that be the norm? Yes, totally. Yes, the, totally. And this is my thing. This is thick community, man. This is thick community. This is the exactly. community of people who, despite what your background, circumstances, jobs, single, married, gay, and celibate, whatever your status is, we all desperately need community. And that doesn't just mean waiting to get married. And I mean, I, I I know I talk about community all the time, especially since my community group series is about to be released. But this notion of like we're supposed to just do this alone, I think we've gotten so used to that. I mean, talked about the mountaintop. Peter wasn't alone when Christ was on Mount Tabor experiencing the transfiguration. It was Peter, James, and John. Like mm-hmm. all of these experiences, very rarely was someone alone, right? And I find what is absolutely horrifying is the moment people try to address the lack of community in the Christian life, people want to say it's 10 other things or whatever. Well, that's not really the problem. And it's like, yeah, you're, we're friendless. We are friendless. And, uh, and I mean thick community. I mean community where it inconveniences you to be friends with someone, but it makes your life better. Exactly. I'm becoming more and more convinced that we have to accept the fact that we've actually haven't really experienced the Christian life to its fullness. We have we have never really experienced Chris Christianity where it permeates every aspect of culture, and the majority of people that we know are trying to live that. Are, are there's some type of like a desire of like this is a life I'm trying to live where Christ is alive and present everywhere we go. And I think so often when we go to these big, huge events, we're told and we think, oh, this isn't the norm. 
get ready to go back home. Yeah. And and and, and there's importance to that because it's not. I mean, we can't just all like move to Steubenville. You know, like it's not gonna. That's that's not how it works. But I think there is. I think I I'm just starting to wonder if we sell ourselves short a bit by thinking, well, it can't ever be that good. Okay. Okay. I think there is a lot of wisdom to that. I do. Um, I think it's impossible to maintain that level of, uh, mm, what do I want to call it? That level of emotional exuberance and joy, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. But seriously, there ought to be like, this is what I'm discovering with my morning prayer routine is there has to be an element where even when my life is falling apart, I'm still able to rejoice in my savior. Right. So like, even in the midst of bad things like this scandal, I can still rejoice in Jesus Christ and finding joy. Like I tell people all the time, uh, you know, we, we can't use God to get happiness in the end. We have to realize that having God is our happiness and having that joy is kind of the, the motion of the Christian heart. At least it should be. And I don't think, I don't think we think of it in those terms. I think we think of it in, am I believing the right thing? Am I, you know what I mean? Like it, can, it becomes very easy to just focus on the doctrinal component rather than, you know, when other things are kind of surround it. But like truly yeah. trying to rejoice in Christ, like making that an object of your prayer, not Jesus make me happy, but look at what you've done for me. I am, that makes me joyful. Inspired by the Catholic Creatives Summit, Luke and I decided to include around a 12-minute interview with some friends of ours from Project YM. They've created a lot of cool stuff, including CatholicBeardBalm.co and all the good stuff that goes with it. So here is Tony and Michael talking about their latest project. Uh, well, uh, people out there probably recognize my voice from the Threshold podcast. Mm. Uh, mm. <laughs> no, my mm. name is uh, Tony Vicinda, and I am one of the directors of Project YM. And I'm Michael Marchand, the other director of Project YM. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we're a ministry that basically wants youth ministers to not feel like everyone hates them and they need to go home and cry at the end of the day. <laughs> it's called self-care, people. <laughs> no, you all do great stuff. You, do, you really do great stuff. And my big thing that I love, okay, so I'm not in youth ministry anymore, but the two things that I tend to go to for just like, hey, buddy, remember, Jesus is still Lord. God is here. You still need to be praying. Let's talk about this together. We're all kind of going through the same thing. It's Project YM and then, like, the Life Teen YM blog. Right. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that is a large part of it. Like, there's a lot of people out there now who are trying to to pick up the title of, of we minister to the ministers, and then they promptly just try to give them more intellectual formation. Um, and I think intellectual formation is huge. It's great. Um, I know that's why everybody tunes into uh, the Catching Foxes podcast is for a good long 30-minute uh, lecture on uh, Hans von Balthasar. Bold ballsy. Ballsy. Yeah. Uh, we really try to focus on human formation, uh, spiritual care, um, and apostolic formation. So the things that, as Catholic Church, we uh, uh, historically may have done well at different points in our history, but in the modern era, oftentimes just uh, skip over completely. So, yeah, a few years ago, we started doing that. Um, a lot of it started as online, on-site events, so just traditional. We'll give a talk. We'll do a training. Yeah. Uh, come in and let us entertain your young people for uh, an hour and a half or you know a full day. But really, we were just desperate 
for meeting with the youth workers and their teams the night before and just spending yeah. an hour or two um, pouring into them, uh, caring for them. And you'd be surprised how many people resist the idea that, uh, that the youth worker needs to be cared for. Even youth workers themselves oftentimes get so focused on their job, they just they don't know yeah. how to stop and take a breath. And so, um, so we've transitioned a lot over the years into more online spaces, uh, a lot of online resources, projects, conferences, live calls, our new Thrive uh, resource. Um, but we still do a lot of um, actual in the flesh uh, training also too, specifically in Uganda um, and a bunch of other places in the US, Canada, um, and sometimes the UK when Jack Reagan brings us out. <laughs> I think what's really interesting is what we've noticed when we kind of got started, we spent a lot of time working with teenagers. And like, I love standing on a stage in front of thousands of young people and like rah, 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 getting everybody excited. But then I realized if I see them the next week, nothing's actually changed about their life. Like maybe they had like a woo experience with us for an hour. But when we actually spend time with youth workers and are training them to better serve young people week after week after week, we're moving the needle way further. And it's just so exciting to see that growth process happen. Yeah, man. I was just talking with a guy who runs um, the uh, an individual who helped run an axe retreat, right? So we're a really big axe parish, right, Curcio-based retreats. And he said the most important thing for a director to do is take care of his volunteers, because if he's not spiritually feeding them, how can they um, start spiritually feeding others, which is their kind of role on the retreat? And yet so many, it's easy to neglect them and just be like, no, it's all about the retreatants. And it's like, not for you, it's not. And I think a lot, a, lot of, a lot of people find that hard to make that transition. But youth workers, man, guys, if you aren't feeding your volunteers and you aren't being fed and uh, you're, you, you can't give anything to the kids, you're only giving fumes. So... Huzzah to what you're doing. Huzzah. <laughs> the grand huzzah. Uh, let's, all pat each, let's pat each other on the back some more, guys. Okay. I love sure. it. I'm going I'm to count that as an endorsement. I got the grand huzzah. The grand huzzah. That should become a thing. Luke, write that down. <laughs> grand huzzah. I need a whiteboard. We have so many ideas. Um, <laughs> Catching foxes huzzah. <laughs> so there are two things I want to talk to you guys. One's about a certain, like, um, slash, well, there was like a dinner we had, but we had drinks with a certain friend of, of the podcast that I thought went very well. Um, but before we get to that, um, like if you're, so like, if you are like a youth minister, like what kind of a, what kind of a youth minister has like, like what like youth minister who you guys want to work with? What does, uh, like, what would him or her have going on in their life right now that you could say, if you've got this going on, it's a good idea. To- the uh, the big thing that we do is that, or that, that I love doing, like, I think Michael and I each have different ways that, that we approach this, but I think at its core is if you're someone who just basically at some point in your day goes, man, am, am I the only one who cares about this? Or if you ever find yourself asking, like, does it even matter if I do a good job or who just is like, why does somebody care more about how much time I spend here in the office than whether or not I'm actually leading teens to an encounter with Christ? If, if those are questions you find yourself uh, asking on a regular basis as a youth worker, then we'd love to have you give us a call. Um, we'd love to have you uh, let us know. And when I say give us a call, that's weird because you're not going to do that. You're going to like message us on Facebook, drop us an email at hello at projectym.com, whatever, uh, or just go to thriverswanted.com. That's a great place to start if you're if you're really looking for help. Um, but really, if you're, if you're asking yourself some of those big questions, um, especially if you're starting to ask yourself the question, um, can I do this another year? Like, mm. Or if you're finding a hard time getting yourself to mass on Sunday morning, other than for your job-related responsibilities, right. um, 
I'd want you to, to drop us a line. Um, if nothing else, like if you don't, if we don't do anything else, I want you to drop me a line and let me know. So I can set up a phone call with you. So I can just pray with you and pray for you. Um, you know, it's not a, it's not a service that we, we charge for, unfortunately, uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but it is, it is one of my favorite things to just sit with these ministers and yep. just hear them receive. And then to just, just offer some time in prayer for them. Um, when they're, when they're all dried out. Reminds me of that scripture passage, uh, Freely you've been given, so charge, charge through the nose. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, good deal. Uh, Michael, what were you going to say? You know, I just think the thing that we do best is love youth workers. I think that there are so many youth ministers who spend so much of their day getting crap from parents, getting crap from their pastor, getting crap from people they work with, that they just need somebody who's just going to love on them and just support them and tell them that what they're doing is important. Tell them that they matter. And aside from all the incredible resources we create and the great things that we can give you to go out and do ministry, I think where we excel best and I think where we've really found our calling and what God has put us here to do is to just love on youth workers and encourage them. So what are y'all raising uh, money here for? What, what's going on? What's the new hotness of Project YM? No, so for a long time, you guys may be aware of this um, Catholic Balm Co., uh, which uh, is, a, is a supporter of Catching Foxes also, too. we got some projects coming out. Had spun out of Project YM years ago, and it's actually helped us grow in some amazing ways, bigger than we ever could have imagined, quicker than we could have imagined. Uh, we've got a pretty big imagination. It's probably just quicker than. Um, but a big part of that is, as that's happened, um, Project YM has gotten bigger and bigger, uh, but we also do give money to other ministries. Uh, they're dedicated to the resource, and Catholic Balm Co. needs to stand on its own because it does spiritual care for men and women around the globe on its own. And so as we're looking to separate those two ministries, uh, we're needing to bring on some additional staff uh, to create some additional financial resources in order to be able to do both of those things. And so um, last week and this week, we've been running our first and hopefully only crowdfunding effort ever um, over at supportprojectym.com to make that happen. And one of the biggest things we're looking to for Project YM is how we can bring on a project manager um, to help us expand our relationships with dioceses, specifically through Thrive, um, which doesn't necessarily sound exciting, but that's actually the major way that we pour into youth ministers. We've got a couple hundred youth ministers that week in, week out, month in, month out. We're actually walking through best practices, doing spiritual care for, talking to them about like the brokenness in their parish and helping them helping them just thrive. Um, it's exciting that we have that problem, right? That we have so many youth workers that continually are reaching out, looking for more support and more help. And we just want to be able to serve them. And so the fundraiser is just about making it possible for us to serve as many youth workers who are hungry, hurting, and looking for sport. Awesome. I really, really want to encourage all of our listeners out there that if you are trying to find a thing to gift to this month, check out these guys. You guys are doing really good and important work. And yeah. um, I wish we could hang out more. Yeah, one one last thing I want to note. Uh, so we are youth workers, so we are not above bribes in any way, shape, or form. Um, Big so if you, Big we're not we're not just asking for money. So if you go and you spend twenty bucks, you're going to get forty dollars worth of coupons to things like Catholic Bombco, uh, Sock Religious, all these other great small Catholic companies um, that came in to help support us. Um, up to a hundred dollar level, there's there's more and more of that plus some digital resources. But over that, there's some premium gifts. One of them is just called the Mystery Box, um, which is a box of stuff that we're going to fill a bunch of things in and send it to you, which is I think the ultimate youth ministry 
free prize is like just going through the youth room ahead of time and saying, oh, here's cool stuff. I'm going to put it in a box and that's the prize tonight. Um, but also if you want, you can play Dungeons and Dragons with Bob Rice and me um, at one point at one of the levels uh, also too. Um, and then we can come out and do an event for your parents. Or if you want a custom beard bomb for your favorite podcast, like the crunch uh, or any other ones uh, or your pastor, you could uh, at a thousand dollars. Son of a that. bitch. You <laughs> son of a, you just had to go there. <laughs> uh, also. So there are, there are rewards if you go and support us also too, but all the money is going back into helping support youth workers. So if you like, um, if you think that the youth ministers out there need to be loved for, need to be cared for, need to be supported, not only in their ministries, but in their own journey of discipleship, we'd love to have you support Project YM. Go to supportprojectym.com. Awesome. Nailed it. Uh, so you want to talk, uh, we kind of left everyone hanging with that really cool, We uh, who do we go out for drinks with? I don't know. I mean, I went out to drink with so many people. So we actually went out for drinks. I sure did. We no, sure no. So did. it was like a Catching Foxes Threshold Podcast Project YM crossover like fantasy episode, except for Gomer wasn't there uh, because that's part, part of like fantasy. fantasy, fantasy, fantasy kind, kind of like the fifth season of Arrested Development. We had to shoot around everybody's schedule. Um, and so <laughs> um, so uh, we actually went out with Brandon Vaught, um, who, who maybe you're talking about. But we also hung out a lot with Anna Carter, um, who is a treasure and a gem. Oh, I love her. And Ian. Don't forget Ian. No, you can forget. No. Uh what uh you guys you guys had beers with Brandon Vaught? Sure did. Yeah. He sure Luke had beers with oh man. I, rec- I think I and then he drew and then like we like hung out a bit like after that and other stuff. I I feel like we've you know, we've got a friendship going there. Nope. Yeah. For the first five minutes we had to set them across the table from each other. You made it you made it so awkward because right as we sat down, you go, Do you guys you guys think go back and like hash anything out? <laughs> Uh, well, here's the deal. Uh, I don't think Brandon heard that, and he certainly would have probably not have taken it to heart if he did. I was basically just making fun of you, but I probably did say it loud enough for him to hear because my favorite thing all weekend long to do was watch Luke Carey squirm just a little bit. Just, just a little bit. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to hearing all the stories. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. Uh, uh, Gilmer, you've got to come next time. I am. It's in my it's in my budget. Me and my assistant are but coming. Said- but, uh... I uh, I couldn't make it happen this year. Um, actually, I couldn't make it happen because I desperately needed to just be with my family. So while you guys are having tea with Brandon Vaught, I was watching uh, Iron Fist season two. <laughs> oh man, I gotta I gotta know what you think, but not right now necessarily. No, I can um, help you. Trash. Oh, yeah. Boring. Really? Okay. Better so than if we... better than Iron Fist one and better than Defenders, go. but still crap. Yeah. Okay. That, I was wondering where it fell in the lineup, but that's that's where it fell for me too. It's like, oh, you're not the worst iron thing I've seen Iron Fist yeah. in. Yeah, that's exactly uh, it. I have been thinking a lot about a uh, Catholic stuff you should know podcast episode on, um, on like Mary as mother of the church. Oh yeah, that was a great one. It's great. I mean, I, honestly, I think that's my favorite one. Yeah. And. Um, when he talks about how the how like you know they really are so he's got this great line I think it's Father John Nepple where he says I think he might be quoting Pope Paul VI but I don't remember where if we basically divorce Mary from the Church she be she becomes a goddess and the Church becomes a cult ooh and I, I like that right how good is that and I was like I wish I thought of that um, there's this element to that that I think when you look at people and their devotion to Mary seems to be so almost a little bit creepy. And then the church, I, I, I almost kind of like view that as this weird doctrinal adherence where it's just so intense and you just can't like 
and there's like a lack of like there's a, a lack of like nuance and a lack of love or even justice and that goes you know both to the left and to the yeah, right totally. as well so especially the left and uh no i'm just kidding <laughs> or am i um but uh there's this element too of like how both bear christ in the world and i think within the church we so often think we we think that that means it's doctrine or her sacraments yeah and i'm starting to wonder isn't we need to include her people yeah that it's through these people that i can i mean not no, no that's that's not the only way that i can have a relationship with christ but like Christ worked through these people to get to my heart. Yeah. And Christ has worked through, like, you to get to my heart and through, like, my wife and our household brothers and other friends. And I think when we cut ourselves off from community, we cut ourselves off from Christ. You know? And I just wonder, like, should that experience, should we kind of have that be the norm? Like, where's the line between, I guess, what what I'm wondering is, like, being around, being in community and ex- and experiencing that, and being in the world. Yeah. So uh, I sent you two items in the mail recently that I, I sure bought, did that I bought for you. One was a wire that has gone nowhere. The other one, <laughs> the other one is a book, and I'm reading that book. It's called Building the Benedict Option uh, by Leah Labresco, and I love that book because I have gone back to. Um, Rod Dreyer's The Benedict Option now multiple times and given it rereadings. Every time I read like a, a harsh criticism of his, I go back and I reread it and I, and I say, does this live up? Is this being too sheltered or is this being uh, just simply addressing what we're missing in the Christian life? And so if you've never heard of The Benedict Option, the idea is our civilization has departed from all that we could call Christian. You know, Christendom is dead. But even, that it's been dead for a long time. But now, like, it's, you know, especially with the passing of the legalization of gay marriage and all that stuff, the church is definitively separate from and countercultural in the culture, in the, towards the country that it made, in a, in a way. And so the idea is, the idea is we need to realize that this has been this way for a long time, and it's because we've lost our sense of community. And you can talk about community from a bunch of different angles, but this notion of truly dwelling together is something that never leaves me. The reason why I did all the community groups was because this notion keeps coming back. It's the reason why Catholics and Orthodox people, why we romanticize monastic life, why we talk about community all the time. You know, community has to happen. It can't. It doesn't just happen. It has to be done, right? It has to be made. It has to be scheduled. And so just let me give you a for instance. We invited three families over on Saturday evening to our house. Three families came over. Uh, I was outside for an hour and a half in 100-degree weather grilling. Uh, the, a couple of the men came out with me. The women were inside together. The kids were upstairs, downstairs, outside playing. Everyone had what we needed, right? We all had the male community, the female community. And I'm cooking dinner, and they're bringing over their own food. It's not expected for me. I don't want to be the host. I want them to come to my home, but I want them to feel like, like if someone, Lee Labresco talks about this, and there's another book that just came out. Uh, what is it? Uh, rat, ordinary, wait, Radical Ordinary Community or something, or Hospitality. 
And this woman talks about, um, I think she's a pastor's wife, and she's led this kind of renewal in their church about being so community-centered that the young adults come to their house for dinner like every night. And so she's constantly doing things. And so when they come in, it's not a handout. It's not like a free meal even, even though they don't pay for it. Like they're expected to, like if the, they're just a part of the family, right? And, um, mm-hmm. and, and that's what I love because here's the best part. I walked in, I dropped Noah or my Thomas, my youngest, off at our church's nursery. And I walked into mass. It was about one minute after the procession of music had started. And I'm looking for my family. I'm looking for my family. And all the people that I had dinner with on Saturday night, every single one of them and then some, and their in-laws and parents and family and blah, 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 were all sitting together on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock in the morning. And we all worshiped together. And it was freaking beautiful. And there was something about that mass. There was nothing, you know, about the liturgy or the homily or anything like that that was inspiring. But I truly felt at that moment that that was one of the holiest masses I had ever been to. And the reason why is because last night, or the night before, not only were we having fun, you know, food and drinking a couple beers and chit-chatting and all this stuff and letting our kids play together. But at one point I said, all right, I just have to do this. I said, can we all gather everyone, like all the screaming kids and the toddlers and the whatever, and let's just pray together. And they were like, I would love that. Absolutely. And we gathered all the kids. We put them like they're all squirming and whining and all this stuff. And we prayed together as a, fam- as a family of families. And I felt like that community, for the first time, bled straight into my mass. The Eucharistic community and my family of families merged, right? And it was awesome. It was so simple. And I said to my wife, I, we need to do this every Saturday. Even if I'm not here, tell people, Michael's not here. Who's going to use his grill? Hmm. You know, that's what that's I awesome. want. I want stuff like this. I don't know. No, I, I kind of like, I, I wrote a, um, on, for, on my, fr- <laughs> so this might surprise everyone. So the first night at this thing, I was up till 2.30 drinking, and then I uh, slept in till like 11. Shocking. <laughs> you know, I felt so bad about it. I was like, well, someone needs to get his crap together. And then, but so at the talk that I was at, though, that it was really kind of cool, and I, and I wrote this, I wrote this, um, I was just kind of impressed by, like, just, like, by the vibe of the whole place. And I, cre- and I created this, like, Venn diagram of, like, where does creativity, non, a non-profit, and, uh, and, like, or, like, ministry, where do those three things meet? And, like, what could, and, like, what could that look like? And I just started to, like, think of, like, what would it be like to work at a place with people who are super driven but wanting to, like, make really good things for the church. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm, I'm very intrigued by that idea. And I, I, I think it kind of, and like, why, and, like, why I bring that up after what you had talked about, like, do this even when I'm not here, who's going who's gonna, to who's gonna take Michael's grill, you know, is, again, just this idea that, like, I, I think we're selling ourselves short. Yeah. I, I, think, I think what you experienced on this week has the potential to be shared in every parish. Like there are creative people in every parish, but maybe they're not creative in, you know, certainly maybe not the caliber of the people there, but it's there. We got to yeah. see how we can suss it out. Well, and you know, like that's, I, I think what I'm really getting at here is like creativity is such a, now obviously there are people who are insanely talented. Yeah. Create. Like there's oh, a girl yeah. who like, 
drew for like Pixar. She was drawing on a lot of people. I didn't get a chance to. You didn't talk to Fabiola. I meet her. I really wish I had. You didn't talk to Fabiola Garza. I did not. Um, oh, dang it! You had one job from me, Luke. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But like, we're all like, I think what this really opened my eyes to is that like, creation is really about making God present in beautiful ways. Yeah. And anyone can do that. Like literally anyone can do that in a variety of different ways. You can do it through creating a business. You can do it through creating a nonprofit. You can do it through like ministry. You can do it through like, through like photography, through film, through paintings. I, um, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on her name. I think it's Trisha. Uh, she made that, do you remember that great, that, that great like, picture that you shared with me? That's the background of your phone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Providential.co. Providential.co. Super, super cool stuff. Oh, I love it. Love it. Uh, yeah, uh, I'd like to do an ad for her at some point in time. We can have her on. Um, I bought one of her. I bought one of her candles. So it's like little things like that where I'm just like, this is so awesome. And I, I just, um, I don't know. I think that should be the norm. Like, I think we can make our we can make our homes, parishes, our, our places of work, whether they be for the church or not for the church. It can be like that. Like it, it can. It, we can like. Heaven on earth shouldn't be limited to the mass. Yeah. I'm I'm really convinced that of that of that now. So yeah, that's what that's what I took away from this weekend. So I emailed Trisha from uh providential.co. I emailed her and I said, Hey, what if we did a thing with Luke and my faces in the exact same style of the Holy Family? Funny, yeah? And she wrote, Yes, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> she loves her podcast. So, Luke, what, what else should we talk about? You, do you have anything else you want to share from uh, from the weekend? Not really. I, just a lot of cool people I want to have on the podcast at some point in time. Um, the guy who put the 8-beat stuff together for those those films, he was totally down to come on once his film was done. Uh, different people who are just, I don't know, like, I, it was really cool. Mm. I cannot recommend this enough. Uh, I, I, I We will be there again next next year. That's for sure. Uh, for sure. So, yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about something. Can I talk about something? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about something. Okay. So, I have a couple things I want to talk about. Okay? Oh, you're breaking up with me, aren't you? I'm not breaking up with you. Luke, I would rather lose my right arm, a.k.a. my wife, than break up with you. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's not kidding. So can I eat a Triscuit while you talk? Sure, Luke. Let's do that. <laughs> this is an audio-based medium. <laughs> Please, eat into the microphone. It behooves you. I've used that word several times today. Okay, so let me just say a couple things. Thing number one, Ascension Press. I have done a thing with Ascension Press. I still haven't really Yay. talked about it, but I want to talk about it. So I created a series of community group curriculum. We mentioned this before, but it was supposed to go live because we're trying to give away <laughs> the first series, which is just four weeks of meeting, right? So everything's framed around these weekly meetings. It is very accessible to Catholics who are not super schooled in their faith, right? That's the whole point is just to build community with Christ at the center. So the talks are not deep. The talks are meant to foster conversation. It comes from the heart of the church and the gospel and evangelization, discipleship, blah, blah, blah. But these aren't discipleship groups where you're going to come and learn all the ins and outs of following Christ. It is an introduction to living the way with other people, right? 
And so uh, every, every new thing I learned about community, which has been so much lately, I have been like, oh, I want to reshoot everything. Turns out it doesn't work that way. It's going to go on ascensionpress.com. Uh, it's going to be in their small groups curriculum. They're having some trouble launching. It was supposed to launch different times. But it's called Radical Community, right? So this is very important to me. This is what I have been working nine months for to make happen. And uh, I am excited that maybe this week, this week, maybe, it was supposed to be today, but not so much, that it can go mm. and people can actually, uh, you can just download it right on your phone. Mm. I, I am so excited about this. Mm. Nothing? No. I'm excited too. Oh, no, God, you're eating your, you don't even care. You're just eating you're your triscuits. You're just the, the, literally the biggest thing of my life, and you're just eating triscuits. No, I'm so happy for you. You're not happy. If you were happy, do a dance. Da 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 ba boat. Don't get me down with your bad self, because Gomo's the engine pressing is coming out. Bam. Bam. All right, I believe you. can't hear me eating my triscuits. I believe you. I believe you. Five, four, three, two, cue baby, sound church bells, and roll them. Hi, I'm Mike Gormley, another middle-class white guy trying to tell you how to live your life. <laughs> I can't even do that. With the, I can't even. <laughs> Hello, I'm Father Mike Schmitz. After he gave up on life, gained a few pounds, and let his facial hair completely consume his entire head. My real name is Michael Gormley. Recently, Ascension approached me because they wanted me to help them with this brand new project that we have going on. Apparently, Matt Frad was too busy, so his loss is my game, buddy. What we are trying to do is build a culture of community. You see, even though today we are more technologically connected, we've never been more relationally divided. I have spent the last 15 years of my life with high school students, college students, socially awkward young adults, fussy baby boomers, and the totally forgettable Gen Xers in order to help them build community. And that's what I want to do for you. That's right. You are going to build community. We're going to provide the scaffolding. You bring the friends and the relationships. Through multiple series, we are going to deliver to you rock-solid content through videos and discussion questions so that you can build community centered on the gospel. After all, none of us want to walk alone. Not even introverts want to be totally alone. And we all need one another. We especially all need Father Mike Schmitz. Am I right? I just love that this is going to be a part of the commercial. See, I said middle class, not middle aged, because I felt like it was too big of a swipe at Jeff. You know, I'm coming for you, Jeff. So I'm excited. I'm excited about this stuff happening. Also, because uh, who knows if people will still contribute to the church anymore? <laughs> Daddy's got to find additional sources of income. <laughs> Yeah. How scared are you of, of that happening? Uh, ten being I'm out of a job. One being things are going to continue as they are, no problem. I say I am, my fear of that happening, I'm at a seven or an eight. Ooh, really? Yeah, no, I, I really believe that people, especially the fact that there's a priest in our diocese, it's made national news. Yeah. Um, really hard because I knew that knew the priest uh not really well but i knew him i've met him a couple times um just sh shocked me to my core people who listen to the show were really close to him um but he was at the church right next to ours in uh, how you do so yeah like what what went through your mind when you first read about so that? i first saw the picture the the mugshot and it said like local catholic priest from conroe turns himself in 
And I'm like, wait, what? Where do I know this guy from? Because he just looked like if you knew him really well, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's him. But I didn't know him that well. And it just burned mm. in my head like, do I know this guy? How do I know this guy? And then I, sh- I sent it to Shannon and she immediately responds, dude, don't you know who that is? And it says his name and everything. And uh, there are dude. listeners to the show who knows this, know this guy very well. So I, out of respect to my friends, you can go find this stuff on your own. I just don't want to drag names up. I don't want to hurt anyone. Anymore. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. But all I'm saying is it threw our parish into yet another tailspin because uh, you have to deal with the fact that this is happening 10, 15 minutes from your house. It's in the yeah. diocese where the head, the president of the USCCB is, right? And just, and, and he, and the, it came out the uh, September 12th, September 13th. He had his meeting with Pope Francis. Cardinal Donardo met with Pope Francis to talk about all this stuff going on. And, uh. and uh, so, I, you know, it's all of this stuff, and now it's like, the, Donardo was my hope. I'm, like, trying to hang my hat on this guy. And, uh, and then the whole narrative, now, obviously, it's the media, whatever. I'm not necessarily going to believe everything they say. But you hear it, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, and I heard people, like, hemorrhaging from the church the various churches where this man was at furious parents taking it all out on you know like the youth minister and all this stuff and i just you know you just you just want to love these people and you want to tell them okay i'm here with you i get it like let's figure this out together but people are so enraged and then every so often i'll meet a priest who doesn't seem to get the severity hmm and that is making me so angry. Uh, you know, I, I, can't, I can't express to you how frustrated I feel when I hear a priest be like, you know, we just need to focus on doing the best job we can because that's all we can do. And, you know, at our church, these kids are protected. And at our church, these things are going on. And, you know, we're, we're doing all the right things for these kids. So we just need to keep doing our job. And to an extent, that's totally true. Right. But mm-hmm. you begin to hear and like you have conversations with people and it just there's an element where I am like there's a part of me sometimes that is inches away from quitting. Obviously not the church, but working for the church. Yeah. And then there's a part of me that says, listen, dude, if you leave, what are you saying to other people? Like, what does that statement say? Get out while the getting's good. Like. Should I stay to the bitter end when, hey, man, we got to take give you another pay cut? Like, I want to be loyal because that stuff's not happening at my parish because we are doing all these things. Like, we're, like our town hall, the video that we did, we, we recorded a video of for our parishioners. We live streamed it. We recorded a video. Um, we edited it and posted it online. That has received, like, a, several thousand views. And for a Catholic parish going on and on for an hour and 17 minutes, that's huge. People at yeah. our parish yeah. watched it. People all over the country have watched it. I, I had a family um, that moved away. Actually, they're good listeners of the show, Hillary. She said that uh, her and her pastor watched it. Um, you know, you hear all this stuff, and then you see all these people that get it, and they're fighting, and they're striving, and they're going to make it happen. And then you get demoralized, and now I'm just like, crap, what do I do? I've spent my whole life. <laughs> I was talking to one guy, and he's like, you know, we could just get jobs outside the church, make them more money. And I was like, all my eggs are in this basket. <laughs> <laughs> None I, of these skills are transferable if you really stop and think about it. I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing else 
buy my book. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh man. And you know, I'm kicking off I'm kicking off RCIA. And we had like mm. 10, 15 people who were like, I want to become Catholic in the summertime. And we only have four people, and one of whom just really touched base today. Four people who are gonna even attempt to go through it. Yeah. And this is unheard of at my parish. We usually have like 10 adults seeking baptism. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just people are like, I don't think this is the right time. If they even reply to our emails at all. Like they're the ones that initiated contact. They were the ones who were turning in baptism or uh, birth certificates and stuff like that. And now there's cold silence. So if you're asking me where do I think the church is headed financially, I don't think I don't think I, I don't think it's going to be good for anyone. If you're in debt, get out of debt. That is priority number one. You're going to be watching churches not only cut their employees but sell property in order to cover. I mean, just think of all the new um, lawsuits that are going to happen when they start lifting statutes of limitations. Yeah, I mean, it's gone. Like it damaged Catholic schools in the '90s and 2000s. Yeah. What do you think it's going to do now when a grand jury report comes out from 10 states saying roughly the same thing that U.S. bishops knew about it? They sent them off. They covered it up. They didn't inform the families at the parish, you know, 80s, 90s, whatever, didn't inform the families at the parish. So the families had no idea. So other families couldn't come out uh, and, you know, or, or talk to their kids about it and find out if it had happened to them. And so what ends up happening, I'm sorry I'm dominating the conversation, but. No, 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 This is very, very important. Yeah, so what ends up happening. Keep going. If you hear in 10 states, like, at a certain point, I want them to use the RICO Act and lock all these guys in jail and call it, and call it organized crime. But then I think of the thousands upon thousands of souls who will be lost because they will not know the love of Jesus Christ. They will never be able to taste him in the Eucharist. They will never be able to hear the phrase, I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They'll never be able to go to a, to go to a mass and, and pray the Gloria. And, you know, like they'll never be able to have those things that I love and take for granted. That priests right now are being kicked out of like patient waiting rooms at doctor's offices because they don't want kids being fondled. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> like, it's crazy what's yeah. happening. And I really do believe this is the beginning. I don't think, I, I think we're at like step one of a staircase, uh, not going to heaven, uh, you know, going down to the basement. And I, I don't, I, it, that might be fear talking, but I really do believe uh, that uh, the eclipse, the, it's not the eclipse of Christendom. It's the eclipse of the moral, the entire moral authority of the Catholic Church. From Pope Francis all the way down to the local parish priests, to the youth ministers who are getting, you know, all of this stuff. It's going to be bad news. We're going to look at the 90s and 2000s as the heyday of suburban Catholicism. And we're going to look at the 2020s as, I, I, I don't even know, I don't even know. And you just think about it, you know, 10, 15 years ago or 10 years ago during the Obama administration, right, you had all those priests saying and, and bishops saying, like, um, you know, they were talking about religious freedom. And the whole idea behind religious freedom was 
you know, if, if all they give us is the right to worship, not to write, not the right to live according to our faith, you know, that, that's not the Catholic vision. It, we're gonna, it's going to be criminalized Catholicism. And so you have bishops saying, you know, I'll, you know I, I get yelled at, my next bishop will get whatever, and the bishop after him will be in jail. Or, or you know, you know, you've heard that, right? Or the next yeah, bishop yeah, will yeah. be arrested, the other one will be martyred, or whatever the phrase is. Yeah. I think it's going to be, you're all going to be in jail. <laughs> like, and it's not because you're heroically practicing your Catholic faith. It's because the world thinks you're a den of child molesters and it can't wait to be rid of you. And the devil has the perfect opportunity to act. Yeah. I, the crappy part is like to counter act all this, we have what amounts to, to a lukewarm American church. Like that's the shitty part. Yeah. You know, is that I, I wish I could sit here and say, look at all these things that are going to like end because of what you all have done. I, I wish I could. But let's be very blunt here. The majority of us who like work in ministry think burn the whole thing down. You know, like none of us really think that. I mean, that's I'm, I'm being hyperbolic here. There, there are like things where, like, where some really, really good things happening. But there's a lot of people who are like, there's a lot of bad going on. And when you look at the state of the church, there's this element of, like, this is not like things are going well. And all of a sudden, we're just, like, horrified by what's happening. Yeah. You know? I mean, if, you've, if you have been listening to our podcast at all, you would know that we think that things are not going well within the church before this all happened. You know, and so it's that's it's um, I, I think this is the knockout punch, to be honest with you, that some of the other ones you could point to like relativism. You could point towards um, the heresy of Americanism. You can point towards uh, Pelagianism or like other things like that. And I'm not referring yeah. to like the convocation. I'm, I'm referring to like legit. Yeah. Pelagianism. Yeah. The actual you know, heresy. Um, yeah, and not just an analogy that, you know. to re- derive from that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or am I? No, um, I'm just just kidding. Um, you know, th- this is a th- this is the la- this is the knockout punch. You know, ten hits after the Land of Lakes punch, and what that did to our American college, to our American Catholic colleges. Um, the fact that in the '90s. If you wanted to go to like a legit Catholic school, you had like one or two options. Yeah, man. Truly, in all of America, of, of a place with at that time two hundred and fifty million people, if you wanted to go to legit practicing Catholic school where like the student life had like a body that was into their faith, you had like two options, maybe three, maybe four. <sighs> Dude, I mean, I'm not. I I don't want to. I don't want to keep bringing this up. So my, my thing is, I'm looking at all this. I'm looking at all this happening and, uh, you know, like, I don't, I I feel in my bones that the only human reaction to all of this is despair. Right. But that's not the divine reaction. That's the human, like you're looking at this thing that you've spent your whole life building and you realize it was all a vanity and chasing after the sun for someone will come behind you take your vineyard and smash it to the ground, right? Like, here here yeah. we are building. And so I think, like, am I building an edifice for man? And if I am, then burn it to the ground, like you were saying earlier. Now, here's the other thing that's really starting to piss me off, and it was you that set me on this track. Like, 
Catholics trying to live and teach their Catholic faith are getting harassed, made fun of in dioceses, schools, churches, you know, parish staffs, whatever. And that's mm-hmm. totally true. That's totally true. And I, and I think about a friend of mine who uh, two nuns retired or two nuns quit the, the order and, and got married to each other. And some Catholic school thought, let's make them the theology teachers. So now you have an entire, now I, I don't have a problem with women theology teachers, but I have a problem with people who are, whose very lives are already completely fractured away from the church's, what the church calls for. And they actively advocate all manner of views that have nothing to do with the Catholic church or are opposed to the Catholic church, all this stuff, right? So you go to morality class, you learn about ecology. I think ecology is important. I believe in global warming. I'm totally back behind the, you know, the accords and all this stuff. I think it's important. I do think it's a moral issue that we need to address. But when you don't talk about how to form a human person around virtue and that virtue is centered on the person of Christ, what the hell are you doing in morality class? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so this is the part that is killing me is we are churning out people who have the name Catholic. But as Pope Benedict said, they are they are functional pagans. They have no clue. And then the craziest thing, the craziest thing is Cardinal, what's his name, Sedano or something like that said that China is the one who's best carrying out the social gospel of the church. After they bulldozed multiple Catholic churches, arrested and killed, like so much stuff because they give free health care. This guy is praising China. I understand you got to be diplomatic and praise your enemies in order to gain ground. But like, it's absurd what this man was saying. And he's like, like, I can't even remember what his title is. He's secretary of state or something like that for the Vatican. You're like, what? If we're supposed to be the church of like nuances, which I feel like we are, and I love that about Catholicism, I really, really do. Vibrant paradox. Yes. Yeah. Just say like, we love their universal health (laughs) care. Like, then say, we don't love that they kill children, you know, and all these other horrific things that China does. Yeah. You know that, you know, that wonderful health care where they forcibly abort your second, third, fourth, fifth plus child. You're like, wow. And I know that that's started to change. Um, But still, like, there's, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, um, I'm, you know, like, there is this, so kind of going to your your despair point, uh, there is this Mark (laughs) Maron joke. Kind of talking about your despair. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) There is is this Mark Maron joke that that I, I love where, like, he's talking about how, um, his life isn't going well, and he just like walks down the hall, and he sees his cat, and he goes, "I don't know what to do." <laughs> like that to his cat, and it's such. I mean, you have to like, really kind of like no man to really get it, but it's just it's awesome. And I, I've thought about I've I really I've like in like his voice, which is odd. That's been my prayer a few times at different points in my in in like in my life, and I kind of wonder if we're at, if we're at that moment within our church right now, where it's just like I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't know what to do because this has gone on for far so much of this, the because the McCarrick stuff, the child abuse, the pedophilia, the endophilia, or whatever the of uh, the abuse of adolescent boys, um and and adolescent girls, uh your fake Catholic schools, your heretical teachers, you know the debauchery, uh, uh, I just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, crappy I, I just, art. 
yeah. the the banality of art. Matt Brad talks about that. The banality of of the of the mass. That's why he went Eastern. He said, "I'm sick and tired of going to terrible Sunday liturgies. It's a center of all we yeah. do, and they're it's it's as if it couldn't be more of an afterthought." And so I, it's funny because I was waiting for you to make the comment, but you are not my coworkers. Um, <laughs> me me and these guys have a uh, text message thing where we've been sending these articles around about. Um, you know the different things on the scandal and stuff. We're the guys that did the um, the town hall thing, and so what? But we sent funny stuff too, and uh, a lot of McCarrick jokes. Um, but one of them is he says uh, he sent this this Jesuit email from America Magazine, and uh, America has some good stuff. I mean, it's a Jesuit publication, so you're going to get some interesting things. But he has this uh, this thing about this priest talking about how he's a choreographer and all this stuff. And then you see this video of him in this exquisitely beautiful church. I don't even know they have churches like this in America. And I don't know where he is. It's somewhere in the East. Exquisitely beautiful. And they're, it's Pentecost Sunday, and they're blaring, cool in the gang, celebrate. Celebrate good times. Celebrate good yeah. times. Come on. In the middle of Mass. Come on. Through the sound system. It's the middle of Mass. And he's having all these old people do the wave and all this stuff. And my friend just goes... What is going on? I just said, freaking boomers. <laughs> like, what is happening? What is happening? The end of all things. That's what's happening. The end of all things. You know, people, people make a lot of comments about how morality is tied to money and that you'll find that a corruption in morals, um, in terms of sexual immorality with these priests, you'll often find a corruption in, in money. So you have the notorious Bishop Weakland who destroyed a perfectly beautiful old American cathedral. Um, Bishop Weakland was stealing money and funneling it to his lover so his lover would stay quiet, right? You find stuff like this, right? And it begins to, like, you begin to see this in the church. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a reason why the Vatican Bank needs to be reformed because it's swarming with all this stuff. Now, that said, that said, okay, there are two bright lights. Okay, Luke, you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. Laity. And clergy that went to terrible seminaries. It, here we go, it behooves you to immerse yourself in the truth of what the church teaches. It behooves you to buy a Bible and read it cover to cover. And to throw yourself into the catechism of the Catholic Church as the bare minimum. If you are not a lover of sacred scripture, I get it. It's old, it's weird, the translations are funky, and when they flow nice, they actually have less to do with what the original thing said. I get all that stuff, but what I'm telling you is, if you don't know Scripture, you can't know Jesus, and when we're in the middle of all of this craziness, Jesus is the only one who's going to see us through this, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if you're not Christocentric, you are the problem. 